Hi, my name is Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. And here is our promise to you. The Frenzy is here to change the conversation around age. So that you can celebrate all of your years rather than lie about them. Real stories connecting real women. I'm Melissa and I have a coin collection. (laughs) I added some things to it just the other day. (laughs) I'm Jen and I hate bubblegum. Ah, really? As a mother or as a person? As a human, the smacking, (laughs) the popping. It's so trashy to me. Oh, I hate bubblegum. Ah, you are one. You are. Okay, coin collection. Now, in a past episode of The Frenzy, you told us that sometimes you took on the identity identity yes. of past girlfriends yes, yes. well that's my coin f- collections somebody else's my hobby father, or your hobby my father oh your dad okay well yes. that's actually okay it so, wasn't a yes. girlfriend it was a dad that's it was, different yes we, yes we that is you should watch, listen to all of our past episodes if you're new to the show uh uh but yes it was my father was a coin collector and it's yeah and i I uh, decided not, I mean, it was during the pandemic that I decided to pick it up because I had a bunch of coins that my son had collect, you know, that people had given in like little banks and stuff. And I just took all those out and thought, I got to do something with these. And then I thought, oh, you know what? I'll buy one of those little, you can buy these hard books and you stick the coins in them based on their, their uh, year or whatever. And so I was like, you know what? My dad did that. I'll do that. So <laughs> that is yes. beautifully nerdy. I know, Beautiful. right? Nerdy yes. in the best way, nerdy. It's a, I say yeah. that with lots of <laughs> endearment in my voice. I love it. <laughs> she doesn't love it. If I was not one of her friends, she would be judging. She's no, already judging. I like nerdy things now. Well, and you the, should yes, see the well, stack of books on my nightstand. I'm well, nerdy. The, the thing that that I laughed at myself at as I was putting it in, I was so excited that I was, you know, I was almost f- filling up a book and I thought, oh, when I give this to my son, when he's older, he'll be like, what the hell is this, mom? I don't want this. <laughs> anyway, coming up on today's episode, we are talking about screen smart parenting. We are talking about parenting, but screen smart parenting. We're both older moms of younger kids and the great screen debate rages on. To screen or not to screen is actually not the question anymore. The question now in this time of technology and the explosion in our culture is how much screens, how often, and how it's shaping our kids' brains and their personalities. So today we will share our own stories as moms, and we invite you to reach out via Facebook, Instagram, or our email addresses to add to the conversations. And that would be Melissa at thefrenzy.com and Jen at thefrenzy.com. Quick question. Have you subscribed to the Frenzy Podcast yet? Why not? It is totally free for you. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's just that little purple icon with the eye and the little circles around it right there comes on your smartphone or you can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And can you please tell a friend about the Frenzy? We would appreciate that very much. We love being able to share our real stories to connect real women. Now, Melissa, we're going to share some stories here about parenting in the screen age uh, in just a minute. But first, let's thank our sponsor. Just heard your friend, neighbor, or colleague has been diagnosed with cancer? Your first instinct is, what can I do? Kick It Pajamas is the answer. Kick It sells pajamas, gowns, and other accessories specifically designed for those going through cancer treatment. Go to kickitpajamas.com and use the code FRENZY to get 10% off. That's kickitpajamas.com, code FRENZY for 10% off. Give the gift of comfort and style. Kick It Pajamas. Let's kick cancer off the planet. 
Hey, it's Melissa. My family has a history of vascular disease, so I make a point to get my vascular system checked through Lifeline screening each year. The health of your arteries is important and it's critical to understand your risk of stroke and cardiovascular disease. With a simple preventative screening, I get peace of mind or early detection so that I can take action. Since 1993, Lifeline Screening's highly experienced staff has screened over 10 million people in order to bring awareness to potential health problems for follow-up with your physician. To find out more, go to LifelineScreening.com. That's LifelineScreening.com. And be sure to use the code FRIENDS. That's Frenzy without the Y. So that's F-R-I-E-N-D-Z. Okay, Melissa Carter, let's talk about parenting with screens. They're a permanent part of life now as a modern human being. So how do we parent through that? I don't think we have a choice on being completely away from it because, you know, my son was issued an iPad as part of kindergarten. Mm. So I assume that's going to be something that he's going to be with and in front of for school from here on out. So we talk about, you know, screen as if it's something that is what they do in the afternoons after school or at night and they only do it by themselves, but it's part of their culture now is part of their whole mm-hmm. educational experience. So I think it's something that we really have to delve into. And I think first, though, before we talk about this, I think it's very important for us to explain who we are as individuals with it. So I'm curious, how were you raised when it came to, at the time, television? And then I'll say how I was raised with television, because I do believe that might have something to do with our opinions on this. TV was really limited for me growing up. My dad called the TV, the IB, the idiot box. <laughs> that was a, that was the IB well. was a term in our household growing up. And he did not want us watching a ton of television. So we were allowed to watch on like Saturday morning cartoons, but that was that, that was it really. And we were very limited on what programming we were allowed to watch. Like I wasn't allowed to watch MTV or fun things like that that came about when we were kids. Mm -hmm. Um, We did have a computer when I was growing up, and we got to play Frogger on it. Yes. Do you remember the computer version of Frogger? And then um, Transylvania. I played at a friend's house. I didn't play that one. Our friends were the first ones to ever have a Mac computer. I can remember exactly what it looked like and how it felt to touch the buttons was different than our you know, Windows, whatever it was, IBM or something that we had at home. But we were able to play a game called Transylvania on that. So it was the beginning of computer screens and stuff when I was growing up. But my parents were very strict about it. What about your family? So completely opposite. My Mm -hmm. parents were older, meaning that they were the age of my grandparents. So they lived through a time where they didn't have television. They did not grow up with television my parents, uh, especially my mother's family, they grew up, my mother could play every string instrument because their form of entertainment mm. was playing instruments and making music together. So when I was growing up, despite that background, my parents were all about television. I mean, it was, it was what brought our family together. That was our family time was watching television programs together and we watched the news together. So my parents had no problem with us sitting and watching Walter Cronkite and what was going on in the news. And my mother, when asked, you know, do you think that television is this great evil in your children's lives? Her response was try living without it. So in her view, she was like, this is a wonderful, connective technology. And so we watched every television program together. We watched soap operas together we watched the news, you know, so, and it was in Saturday what morning. What was cartoons. your mom's soap opera? 
She was CBS. So she loved, gosh, I'm trying to remember some of the shows on CBS where my sister was ABC. So my sister was all my children because my sister yeah. was a teenager. Um, when I was starting to watch the stuff. Was all my all children. My children. So yeah. my sister was all about Erica Kane, where my mother yeah. was more about, oh, was I can't it, remember. Was it Guiding Light? Guiding Light. There you go. Wasn't where that I was Because I was, <laughs> I was uh, a general hospital, which was ABC. And then I went to Days of Our Lives. So that was my, and that was NBC. So we, we spanned the, all the, <laughs> all the networks. Uh, that's, that is something that I can't, I hate is not available anymore. Soap operas. Those I were know. fantastic. So good. But anyway, so I had a, uh, an, a, a, a positive experience with television. I never was scolded for watching too much of it. As long as I got everything else done and as long as I had outside time, because again, I was also part of the generation where after school, I just went outside and stayed until supper, you know, not dinner, supper. Um, and so then supper on until bed was television. So we watched the TV was on when we ate dinner. And we would watch MASH and we would watch MOD. Like I would learn about social issues with my parents there. So television was never used as a babysitter for me. It was, again, part of something that we talked about together as a family. We were similar in that we watched The Cosby Show together and we watched ALF. Do you remember? Yeah, Alf. He ate cats. I remember that. That was kind of creepy. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> but those were the kind of shows that we were allowed to watch, and we did watch those together. Mm -hmm. But it was pretty strict in my house around TV. Yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to call it Idiot Box does give it quite mm -hmm. a reputation in the house. It does. It does. But that was just my dad's way of saying, like, don't rot your brain on that stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Get off the IB. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, so I do think that that changes our perspective on parenting yes. with it, too, because how we were raised with it and our experience with it. And since this is the frenzy and we're changing the conversation around age, how does our age now change that perspective about screens for our kids? Because mm -hmm. like you said earlier, we are older moms parenting younger kids. Right. I think that we see a bigger picture. Like mm -hmm. I don't I'm not as alarmed because of the, my background being that my brother and sister and I, our brains were not rotted because we watched a lot of television. And, and again, we gave us something, a, a common platform to talk about, which my brother and sister and I are very different people from each other. Uh, but also the age is I see the end result. And I think for my son in particular, who loves not the television, he loves, you know, gaming. So his screen time is games, video games. And I, and I was a gamer. So see, I don't see video games as this evil entity, but there is a limit. I mean, there's a limit on the time he can play it. But for me, the big picture is my son, like I said, already has an iPad. He is going to be in front of a screen in school his whole career. His job will likely require him to be on screen. So the way that I look at it is it's not, it's something he needs to know about. He needs to be able to manipulate the screen and manipulate games and manipulate these things because it will allow him to have an easier time in the future with technology, which he's going to be ex expected to do. However, Katie and I purposely have him in sports, not because he's a guy, because we do this same with our daughter, but we also are trying to instill in him the feeling of, 
exercise, the feeling of being outside, the feeling of competition with other human beings. So, you know, we we feel like we're not forcing him into sports thinking he's going to be a sports star. We're forcing him. No, no, I shouldn't say force. We're encouraging him to play. But sure. we um, we have him in sports so that he has something to compare it to. And I will tell you that there are many times where my son has thrown the controller aside it, wanting to instead play with toys, instead wanting to go outside, instead wanting to go out to the pool. So I, I do not find my son addicted to the screens when he's given a choice. Mm, that's awesome. I think for me, from my age perspective, it's on a couple of things that gives us a benefit. One, like you said, we see the big picture and we can see our children. For me, it's both girls and their affinity for a screen and how much or which one they're going to choose and mm -hmm. knowing which personality is going to have a tendency towards being more addicted to it. Right. Like I can see that perspective as being an older mom rather than blanketing the rules on everybody in that right. way. That's a great point. Cause you, yeah, I only have one child where you have more than one in the house. And then the other perspective is that I've been able to watch my friends raise their kids. Most of my friends my age have teenagers. That's right. One of my, yes. one of my best friends has her daughter going off to college. So yeah. I've been able to witness how they have handled screens and the outcomes that have come from either with rules or without rules. I've been able to witness other, you know, and learn from either their successes or their mistakes. And mm -hmm. I think that gives me interesting perspective as it comes to raising my kids because my oldest is eight. And so we're not at that preteen thing yet, but we're, we're going to be getting close and getting close to that age where they start asking for phones and wanting all their own right. things. So I think it's been helpful to watch my friends go through it and see what choices they've made or haven't made and which ones I would want to follow or not. That's a great point. Yeah. Cause I, yes, I'm about to cut a check for one of my best friend's daughters who's heading to college. Right. So right. it's, <laughs> And going, okay, you know, how did she handle it as a mom? And yes. how did her daughter turn out? And, oh. you know, all that stuff where yeah. you're like, okay, this is kind of cool being an older mom because I get to follow some examples or follow some examples of what I don't want to do. Exactly. You know? So, well, and, and let's start with the, you know, I, I mentioned how my son loves gaming. And let's talk about how we handle that in our house when it comes to who leads the way, who leads the screen time. Is it the kid or does the parent set the rules? And at what age? does that change if the kid is in the lead? It has to be more flexible as they get older. I feel like the older they get, the more screen time they're going to have. And I do think we should acknowledge like how screens have really saved our lives in the last year. I mean, mm, yes. sidebar pandemic. I mean, yes. hello, like without screens, we would have not had our kids in school. We right. would have not stayed connected with family and friends. Great so screens point. have been such a great thing. And we've realized how essential they are in the last year. But my perspective is that the parents have to guide the time. Otherwise, if it's child led, they can get sucked in for far too long and forget that they have their own creativity. They have their own imaginations and they can be even more creative than what they're watching on the screen. So that's where I want to make sure that I'm guiding their screen time. And for my kids, they don't have individual iPads yet, but they do have individual Chromebooks because I wanted that. Well, Lauren has a Chromebook and Reese will get one in kindergarten because that's what they take tests on. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my kids 
to have the same computer at home that they're going to be using at school so that the use of a computer is not what's getting in the way of their testing so that they're proficient at using a computer that they're also going to use at school. And then when they're at school taking the test, then it's just about the material on the test. It's just about the content. It's not about where do I find the keys or how do I push this button or how do I move a a mouse on a trackpad versus an actual handheld mouse on a computer, just those functionality pieces of it. Um, But in our house, they're allowed to watch TV. They're allowed to have the, the Chromebook, same computer. And then we have one family iPad and it it doesn't get used a whole lot because mm-hmm. I, I'm trying to limit that. Um, and it's because I've noticed that my oldest gets very, very sucked into TV shows or whatever it is that she's watching because she likes the story and she wants to get to the end of the story. Mm-hmm. So the danger in that without limiting her screen time is that all of the products created for them, like I let my kids watch Netflix so that I can set the ratings on what they can see, you know, if it's TVG or TVY, they can watch it, but they all come up with cliffhangers. And what does Netflix do? Just suck you into the next one. And within three (laughs) seconds, it's like, would you like to start the next episode? One, two, three, here it is. You're binge watching, right? Right. So the shows set up for them are all cliffhangers. There's no commercial breaks like there was when we were growing up. And there's no wait till next Tuesday night to watch the next episode. You don't have to wait for a week in between. Right. You can just get, I mean, it's just programmed to keep them addicted to it. And so if we, that's my opinion is if we don't step in and set barometers for them, we're allowing these companies to do it. We're allowing the Netflixes and Hulus and YouTube kids of the world to suck them in longer and longer because that's the way those services are set up Mm -hmm. is to keep you there longer. And we don't have games yet. I am on the fence on gaming. So I would like to hear your perspective on gaming and setting the boundaries there. Do you think it's a parent's role to set the boundaries with gaming? And if yes or no, and and why or why not? I, yes, I, I I think everything should be parent led, even if, you know, there's sometimes where, even if the child thinks that they let it, like, I, I do think the first point I want to make is I don't think that parents should forget that they were kids. Mm-hmm. Don't forget, you know, you, I, I, the one thing that I never wanted to be, and my parents were not that way, but I never wanted to be that person who seemed so out of touch, mm. uh, old and rigid. I never wanted to be old and rigid. And I did have two great examples. Uh, my father passed j- during the Blackberry craze, like as Blackberries were being introduced. And I remember my father saying, you're going to, you know, I, you, you need to show me this Blackberry, you know, like they always wanted it. My mother got a big screen TV before her children did. My mother was on, um, let's see, what was it called? Web something, um, where she could have her own email before we did like my mother, you know, so my parents were always on the, uh, because they, again, they grew up during the depression. So they were fascinated by all these things and they were fascinated until their deaths, you know, like they really, my mother had a Google home and she would call me from the Google home. Right. So, I mean, when she couldn't see the phone anymore, she found the technology in order to give me a call. So I, I just had great role models where it was, they didn't become old and rigid. I never wanted to be old and rigid. And so that's the point I want to make is don't be old and rigid. Like, 
I enjoy the shows that my son watches and will and now going into gaming, I love video games. I love video games as a kid and I love video games as an adult. And so much like with my parents, my son's gaming is not his independent activity. It is an activity we do together. And the thing That's about a huge difference. Yes, That's I play video games with big him. Big difference than sending him to his room and letting him play for hours alone. Now, right? when he's older, he will. But the difference is when he's older, he'll be online with his buddies playing as a team. And he and I already have the conversations about chat. I mean, like, so you can chat in a game and he wants to chat with people because he wants to tell them what to do in the game. And, um, and even at his age, there are abilities to chat with other people. And I haven't turned the chat off. I, I, I have explained to him that I don't want him chatting with people he doesn't know. And then he'll ask why. And I'm like, because you know what, just like there's good guys and bad guys. There's sometimes there's some bad guys. And if anybody ever says anything that makes you feel uncomfortable, let me know. And then we'll, we'll go through it together. So I want him to be exposed to it, to understand don't chat with people you don't know. So that when he's 14 and 15, that the people he's going to chat with, I hope, I mean, we'll see. And I'm sure there's people like, uh, that's not the way it's going to be Melissa. But I think that, I, it's just I'm not big on putting your foot down and being like, you can't do this because that for me, I wanted to do it if somebody told me that. So as a parent, mm. why in the world would you think your child would do anything differently if you tell them you absolutely cannot do this? So with games, that's what he's naturally he wants is because there's storytelling in games. But the thing that I do disagree with you on about creativity is in gaming. It's all about creativity. When you play video games, you are. Um, doing a, you know, you're doing strategy, you're learning about, um, you know, about how to save your lives, you're learning about, uh, you know, you, you didn't get through that, that map uh, the first time. So how did you, how do you learn to get through that map the second time? If it doesn't happen the second time, how can you get through the third time? So gaming is all about strategy and it's all about mind work. It's not, it's not a, unlike watching tell, you know, I guess watching, you know, just regular television shows, that is thought to, and I don't even think that lacks creativity, but I definitely don't think games do. And Minecraft in particular, my son is a huge fan of Minecraft and all Minecraft is, is building. It is basically Legos in a game. And so he's building worlds and he's building things and he's learning about in Minecraft, it's mining metals. And you're taught that if you put certain things together, certain elements together, they create something else. So he's understanding how you, create a certain sword, how you create a certain this that's based in, in real science. And so, um, yeah, I love video games and I play with him. He loves Pac-Man and he loves, uh, uh, among us. I will say that among us is a game that caused him nightmares that we didn't expect to cause him nightmares. Mm. And I'll tell you why. So the way my son works is he, loves video games and then he'll go on YouTube and watch other people play video games. And he's watching other people play video games because he's trying to figure out a way to go back to the video game and do a better job. Now I only allow him to watch people who know that young kids are watching them. Right. So he doesn't watch. There's a lot of teenagers and 20 somethings who understand that elementary school kids are watching their videos. And so they're very respectful of that. So he'll watch those. Then he'll go back to the video game and he will play it. One of the th one of the suggested videos that I didn't catch because sometimes he watches regular YouTube and sometimes YouTube kids. I didn't catch a video that he watched that somebody um, put a bad guy in this game and create it's all animated. But he created this bad guy to put in this game in his own storytelling on a YouTube video. 
And that bad guy caused my son to have nightmares. And so Katie and I had to ban the entire video game because the video game was wanting him to go research on YouTube. And so he was exposed to things that were too, too old for him. And mm -hmm. so that is a mistake we made. Among Us is a cool game, though. I think sometimes parents are so hands off with it that they don't even know they wouldn't even know which game it was coming from or how. And to that and that's it. and that is something that I really, really have a problem with, honestly, that I think that I don't want to go as far as to say, why did you have a kid? But part of me wants to go as far as to say, I know you're overwhelmed. I know there's a lot to keep up with, but your job as a parent is to be on top of these things. So your job as a parent is not only to know your math, to give, give them help in math homework. Your job as a parent is also to watch these shows with them, play these video games with them, be a part of their world, especially at an age where they want you in their world. So my son wants, I'm his best friend now. And so I'm going to be his best friend. So I play the video games with him. Mama, mama can we go play? Uh, just the other day, it was mama, can we um, go play Pac-Man? And he said, because, and I, and I said, yes. And we found a two player Pac-Man game on uh, an Xbox. And so I'm sitting, you know, and I'm sitting there in, in with a controller, like a, you know, like I'm 14 playing this video game with my son and we trash talk appropriately and we do all these things. <laughs> and, so cute. and it's because th that I, and I understand his interest. I understand how he, uh, how he reacts to it. Anyway, long story short, I, I just think that, Anything that your child is involved in, especially young, you should be involved in it with them. And, you know, I don't see a difference in books and things on tablets and things on screen. I don't see a difference. It's storytelling. These children are, and it's exciting when it's visual. I understand that, you know, reading is important for your brain to create all these worlds that you're reading. But I also don't think it's fair to the child to say book versus video game. I think that is unfair because it should it be can, both. It can be all of the above. It should be right. both. See, here's like with um, my oldest, Lauren and I are reading the Harry Potter series and I have not let her watch the movies yet or done any games or anything like that because I want her world of Harry Potter to be in her head first. Mm -hmm. You know, I want her to be able to create what Hogwarts looks like in her mind or what this experience is or, you know, what the Phoenix looks like and all these different characters in her own mind. Because I want her to have that chance mm -hmm. to have her own imagination, to form those pictures in her mind and the richness that's going to come just from herself. And then when we're done with the series, which we're almost done with book five, man, that was a long one. And it only gets longer. I mean, I know. I, somebody, I don't know why they took an editor away from JK Rowling. I, I love her. Have. I love the series, I, but my God, like each one just keeps getting longer and longer. Yes. Right. Right. It's, it, yeah, it's but gonna, when we're yeah. done, we'll definitely go watch the movies and all that stuff. But I've been strategic about that because I want her to have the imagination. So I don't think that, you know, watching TV or movies or gaming, replaces their creativity, but I want her to know that she also is creative right. and that she's got these brilliant imaginative thoughts in her own mind. And so that she can create someday a TV show, or she can create the movie, or she can write the next book or create the next game. So I feel like if, it, if I let 
my kids to their own devices. They would just be on devices all the time and forget that they can come up with their own creativity and their mm-hmm. own things that come from with that, with inside of them rather than from somebody else's imagination. Well, I also, I, I want to uh, jump in and also say that as parents, you also have to set the standard. You can't be on your phone all the time. Right. And tell your child not to be on the screen all the time. I mean, that's just flat out, again, not fair. It's not, I don't think it's fair to your child to do as I say, not as I do. And we had to discipline our son because he did something wrong to the point where we're like games is is an effective punishment. And we took his games away for an entire week. But I knew when he was in my home that it was not fair for me to then go on my phone and be on my phone all the time, but tell him you punish. Now I could have easily said, well, I didn't do anything wrong, you know, mm-hmm. but I just thought, no, I'm, I took that week, which was very hard for me because I enjoy games, but, um, but I, we did some, you know, we did other things and I made sure not to be on my phone while he was processing his punishment. Did he learn, did he learn his lesson from the punishment? I don't think so. And did you, <laughs> I don't think you're like, so. I'm not taking that away again. Yeah. Well, no, I, well, I told him, I said, it would be worse next time. I mean, it's, you know, I just think kids like he, he knew what he did wrong, I think. And, um, he understood that we were angry with him and we understood we had a long punishment with him, but he also was focused on when he got him back. And I think we all do that. Like, okay, well, I, you know, he processed in his mind, I can handle it because I have, I get him back Sunday. And what is today? Okay. Days. Yes. So he, he, dis, he distracted himself by just doing math basically uh, until he got it back. So he handled himself. We, you know, you don't, it, every child is different. And so, I mean, we, we, <laughs> we have this guy that we're trying to figure out because we know that he's going to, he is already, because we're in two different households, he's already tried the, well, mama said that, or mommy said that to the other one. And we know better that the other one didn't say it. So he's already started that split parent manipulation at six. Sure. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, something I was going to ask you about, cause you and I have talked about this, not on the show, but the difference between a screen that is a TV screen, yes. a screen that is a gaming screen and a screen that is handheld yes. in front of their face. Like, whether you give your kid an iPad or a phone, I feel like those iPads and phone screens are more addictive. iPad. Why? So I, I told is you that? this, I have no idea, but I will. There is one thing that Katie and I had to put our foot down and, and Jen and I talked about this, uh, mm-hmm. you know, months ago off air, but we found that our son's personality changed when he was on the iPad. Yes. So if our son was playing video games, um, you know, which of course are attached to the you know, the TV screen, like, a you know, console games like Xbox and PlayStation. It didn't change his personality. And even my phone, even if he's playing games on my phone, it doesn't change his personality because sometimes if we're on a long car ride or whatever, he'll play games on my phone. But the iPad, Katie and I both realized that the iPad, for some reason, made him more irritable. Like he, Cranky. he didn't want it, you know, it taking it yes. away from him made him a jerk. And so we took the iPad away completely. So he has no access to iPad except a school iPad, which a school iPad has some educational games on it. And we're, you know, but because it's his school iPad in his mind, he's not it's addicted to it. It's for school. And yeah. so, but we, yeah, that is one thing that we did have to do is we had to take the iPad completely away from him. I wonder what the scientists or experts would say is the difference between that, because I've experienced the same addictive quality with my daughter. So my little one, if she, and I all include the phone, if she's got my phone or she's got an iPad and you try to take that thing away, 
it's like you're trying to rip her arm off. Exactly. I mean, yeah. She's like, this is an appendage that is attached to me. And she's so cranky and upset when you take it away. But it's not the same. If the television's on, she kind of couldn't care less. She's the one, my younger one's the one who's like listening to it in the background, but she could be playing other things or TV's not at the center of her focus. But man, if you give her the iPad or the phone, it's yeah. like she is zoned in. I don't know what the difference is in that close proximity or what it is. Or maybe manipulation too, because it's the other thing you are, you are completely in control of an iPad where the television, there's a little separation. There's a remote control. It's not touch screen. Like, so again, with the phone, we, we don't find the same issue, but the iPad was a weirdly, I, it's, I don't understand why the iPad generated the same, that, that reaction. I, I, I mean, vicious, you know, he, he got vicious with Katie once about it. And yes. <laughs> that's when it's like, I've experienced no more. that. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Totally. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about like benefits versus dangers on mm -hmm. screen time for kids. What do you think the benefits are? I think it's it, again, something connective with your friends. I, I think that as he grows older, it will be something that is a common, you know, uh, topic for him. So, so games, I do think that, and Girls play games too, but it is, it seems to be a very boys world. I encourage girls to play video games too, because you can't let the guys make all the money in this because there's millions and millions of dollars in video games. And I encourage anybody with daughters, please let them play video games and please encourage that because you can make money off of that. And I don't want the boys to, again, another industry where we give to men and not allow the women to flourish in it. You're going to have um, to talk to my husband about that. Yeah, because it's I'm I'm lukewarm yeah. on video games. He's like diehard against them. So you you and Grant will have to go out to dinner <laughs> one night. OK, <laughs> but I, yeah, I love video games. I think it could easily be for Mr. Carter, you know, his paper route when he's older, because you can make money off playing video games um, and, and educating others on video games. So I, I think it's a way to make money um, when they're older and they can learn to develop their own businesses um, because some of the guys that Mr. Carter watches are millionaires because all they do is teach others how to play certain video games. And um, I think so you can make money off of it. School. He's been in half of preschool and all of kindergarten were on a Zoom screen and he would not have been able to benefit from that. And a lot of I hear a lot of people talk about how oh, I feel sorry for these remote kids because they're so behind where I actually think that they're ahead. Because I think that you got a one-on-one -on -one feel on the Zoom screen. I have no concern about Mr. Carter's education because his kindergarten teacher ran out of kindergarten materials. And the last two weeks of school were all about first grade instruction. I have to give you credit because you've been a hands-on mom with online learning. You yes. know, whether parents were right there, if, if there's a parent right there next to a kid who's online learning, that's a whole different scenario than a parent who either isn't engaged in the online learning at home or can't be because they've been pulled away for another job or have to leave the home for a job. So I will say that is a huge difference in whether they succeeded in mm -hmm. the pandemic and virtual learning and w whether they didn't. And to well, give you credit, I mean, you were there every single day. I was right there by every his single side. day. And a lot of his class either had a grandmother or f mother or father. I will say there's one child in his class who didn't have anybody and she struggled. However, I also give credit to the teacher because she was able to handle even the kids who didn't have anybody there with them. But again, I don't like hearing people talk about remote kids are behind because mm -hmm. that I absolutely 
viscerally disagree with that. I think that it was a very hands-on one because the ratio was one, there were nine kids in my, in my son's kindergarten class and one teacher. I mean, that's a small ratio and he got one-on-one attention from her. So I think that other, uh, benefits of the screen time again is how I grew up. It's a, it's a not only way to have a common uh, theme with your friends, but it's a way for you to spend time with your child. Like I really think that adults are hypocritical because I guarantee you're sitting there on your phone and not watching your child with your eyes most of the time where you could be on a screen with your kid and you could do something together. So, and that's what I strive to do. So that's to me, the benefit of screen Mm -hmm. time. And I think the benefits of staying connected with grandparents, I love FaceTime so much. And so much of our families are all over the place now that Mm -hmm. I love that part of it too. If my kids know that they can pick up the phone and FaceTime their uncle Matt in California. I love that. That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Like we didn't have that in past generations. I love that. And I also think that we're on the benefit side of letting them have screen time and, and engaging with it with them is we're raising our kids and preparing them for a world we don't know anything about. Correct. But that's every parent, but that's every parent. But the working world is not going to be what we were raised to go out and get jobs and stay in it for 20 to 30 years and then retire with the same company, all that stuff, right? There's so much that has changed. And I think that if we limit their screen time too much, we're limiting their capacity for what their future careers can be. Absolutely. That's why I said before, it's like, I, I know that his, his whole life is going to be in front of a screen, you know, and they have not shown that, um, you know, vision is impaired by too much screen. We've had enough screen time to where they are able to show that there's not as adverse effects as you think by being in front of the screen. Um, and when I said every parent, every, to me, that's part of parenting is every generation was preparing their child for something they didn't know. You know, we have technology but others have wars. Others have, you know, there was a time where they did not go to work for the same company for 20 years and they established that. Now we're out of that, you know, and, you know, when it comes to finance or whatever it is, like, we don't know what, we don't even know what our children are going to do for a living, but yet we're trying to prepare them for that. And so we have to be wise about that. And I think as older parents, we have the wisdom to help. Um, I think younger parents have the energy to help. And I just, I think you just have to remember that, it should be based on your child's personality. I, I, every child is different and you need to know your child um, in order to parent them. But we also have to talk about the things that are negative about screen time. We've talked about the iPad where we had to take the iPad completely away um, mm-hmm. because of that. And the dangers in my case with gaming where he is exposed to other people and he has the ability to talk to other people And we have not had any issues yet. Nobody's reached out to him or tried to do anything to him. So that's the other thing is like my son's been playing video games for a long time online and no predators come after him. So, I mean, it happens, but it's this, if people are not aware of video games, it's not as prevalent as you think, (laughs) as you think it is, Mm -hmm. but I'm right there with them to navigate if it does happen too. So I, you know. And that's the difference in your teaching him what to be aware of and what to look out for so that he doesn't get duped into believing that an adult is another child and, you know, going down an inappropriate road with him. Right. I think for me, I've seen watching my friends that have older kids, the dangers come in social media because of the confidence level. And I think this is especially for young girls and the focus on their appearance and finding where their value comes from 
And I have seen it be very damaging for my friends with girls who have not, not necessarily limited, but not stayed connected to what social media is doing because so much of it is in secret, right? There's Snapchat and there's all the different ways that kids can be secretive about it. But I will tell you one story that has stuck with me, a friend of mine and her teenage daughter and all the kids in high school were all on Instagram and the girls are just, you know, having their summer and posting pictures from like going to tennis camp. And then after tennis camp, like hanging out by the pool with their friends and the boys in their class that follow them and they're all friends on Instagram started rating their pictures with numbers. Mm-hmm. And these girls hearts were broken. These are their guy friends in their class. And it was like, uh, on a scale of one to 10, you know, they'd post a picture of all of them by the pool and they go four, you can do better, da, da, da. Mm-hmm. So instantly it's, you know, affecting their self-esteem. It's affecting the way they see themselves. So thankfully my friend was involved. All the parents were involved and got involved to have a greater conversation with not only the girls, but also the boys about what's appropriate, what's not, and how we're going to treat each other online you know, because it seemed easier for the boys to do that because it was distant. It was just a comment on a picture. It wasn't in person. They wouldn't have said that to their friends in person, Mm -hmm. but that story left a lasting impression on me because I can reverse and imagine myself as a 12, 13, 14 year old girl and having a, a really strong emotional reaction to just the harsh things that are said online. So I think dangers well, I'm not there yet to the dangerous part, right? Because my kids are just eight and five, but I well, no, but I'm going to stop you there. I'm going to stop you there. The conversation should start now. Mm-hmm. I don't think you wait till 14 because the, the the thought I had in my mind is planting the seed of somebody else's opinion doesn't matter, you know, or if what you know, not turning around and rating them like it or making light of it. Like it, it one of the things that I think you have to plant a seed in in kids this young is that that could happen. And, and what do you think about that? And this is what should, I mean, I don't think you wait till they're teenagers. I'm not going to wait, you know, my son, like I have to plant the seed to make sure he understands he can't do a dick pic. You know, like I'm, I'm already having conversations with him about the appropriateness of his penis at six years old. Um, because I have never had a household where I want him to be self-conscious about his penis. And so, and now he's very comfortable with his penis. So now I have to reverse it when we're out and, and say, he's been, what? yeah. And, and he's learning. been, re- and he's been in remote learning, right? So he's been comfortable at home, remote learning. And I'm having to now have the conversations, what you can do at the swimming pool, what you can do at school, what, you know, in, in regards to your penis and what you can do at home, but I don't make it a big deal. I don't make it a shocking thing. I don't want him to think his penis is wrong or anything's wrong with it. Right. So I'm starting to have these fluid conversations with him as if I'm talking about what I'm making for dinner. You know, like that's the other thing I think parents, just your reaction to it, you're teaching your child how to react to things. And so if you're reacting in a dramatic way, you're teaching your child to re- to act in a dramatic way. Jen Hobby's the very one to teach me about having those conversations with my son about his penis. Because we, when we, our children were babies, you're the one that educated me on the fact that predators look for kids who can't even say the correct name of their genitalia. Mm-hmm. Because they know that they won't tell their parents if something happened to them, right? Yeah. So you're the very one that inspired me to start 
those conversations about my son's penis. Oh, and yeah. that's but the only word we use. In our house, vagina is like elbow. Yeah. Elbow, shoulder, vagina. It's, it's, all the, it's all just a body part and it's not like a, you know, we don't call it a TT or a hoo-hoo or a woo-woo yes. or whatever because there is research that if your kids are anatomically correct, and then predators don't go after them because they know that's a kid comfortable talking about their body and will go home and talk to their family about their body and will say, mom, this person asked about my vagina or this person touched my penis or what, you know, because they would, they have the words around it and it's yeah. not, it's not something scary to talk to their parents about. And so. you, and you inspired me and our pediatrician even, you know, like she will always turn to me or Katie and say, do you mind if I go ahead so to show him that yeah. they need our permission to touch him? Yeah. And so, um, and I tell him that's anybody, that's anybody. I said, don't just because we're related. Cause that's usually what happened. you know, yeah. so I already have these conversations with my son. And so I think that those conversations have to take place. You know, like you, you can't, and it should be as smooth when you're talking about social media. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, th you know, that that's inspired me to, to make him understand that, you know, we're, we're starting the conversation about girls and boys are the same. Like he's already like, because he sees all these boys, that's the other thing. He sees all these guys gaming online or, or you know, on YouTube. And he doesn't think girls play video games, even though I'm playing video games with him. So again, that's where I, <laughs> I beg people to let your girls play video games and show them on YouTube because my son, so my son will see that girls play video games. We have to represent ourselves because again, if we keep, it goes back to, uh, our, you know, importance of using your voice and to tell your own stories because guy, guys don't understand, don't think we exist unless we tell our stories, right? And so I think with when it comes to online media, if a girl only wants her beauty to be important, then why are you surprised a guy is rating her beauty? So if you're if your message online is I'm I'm only going to show me being pretty and perfect, you're sending the message that my beauty matters. So the response is, well, I'm telling you about your beauty and not in a respectful way for these guys, obviously. And I have to teach my son to be respectful about that because guys are not taking it as personally as girls are. Guys don't understand how we're taking it so personally that guys. So I, you know, and, and I'm having to teach my son how to deal with the women in his life. And when he's sexual to understand why she's telling him no, and that he cannot insult her for telling her no. Because she has a whole different life and a whole different set of, ex you know, expectations on her than he does. So, I mean, I think that you have to include the whole conversation in this. You can't just nitpick certain things out and be upset about them. And that's when it goes with screen time. All of this has to be a part of a fluid conversation of parenting. And I do think that when you don't share, you're leading your children. And if you leave them by themselves to handle these things, then I don't, I don't know how you can be upset by bad results because you need to be involved. You need to, you know, I certainly would not be one to read my son's diary, not that he would have a diary, but I would not, you know, there are times that I want him to have his privacy and I want him to be independent. But at six years old, I'm going to plant the seed so that at 16, I feel more comfortable with what he's doing. If you wait until 16, I think it's too late. So anyway, I, you know, I don't know what the future holds. I think it depends on the kid, but I, I just think social media, if your child thinks that that is their approval and that's the, the, the source of their happiness, then you need to step up and get involved and explain to them. If you're somebody who's on Facebook all the time and doing the same thing that your child's doing on Instagram, 
then aren't you a hypocrite if you're trying to tell her that social media is not important? You know, I just think that you have to look at your whole, your whole life and how you are being the role model for your child and then make, you know, make the decisions on what to do. I don't know if that made any sense, but I did my son, my, my, me being a mother is my number one job. That is my number one job. I chose this job and I'm here and I'm going to see it through. I do not expect my son to be perfect. My son, my son is already manipulating us like he, but there's a part of me that is proud of him because that means he's smart. You know, like I'm not going to be offended by everything my son does because it's like, but you know what? The skill it took to try to manipulate us, even though he didn't, ca- you know, we didn't, we caught it. But it's like, he's, you know, he's thinking, he's being creative. He's using his mind (laughs) and we just have to, okay, well, let's not, let's not do it in that way. But it's just, you know, it's an adventure and I'll do the best I can by him. I don't want things to be bigger than him. So I don't want the screen to be this evil entity because he's always more in control of things than the things in his life. That's what I want to teach my son Mm -hmm. is that you are in control of your life. And this big, bad screen is not a big, bad screen. It's just a screen. It's how you use it, how your family uses it. And you can, and if it's better for you not to have it, then it's better for you not to have it. I think that people's preconceived judgment without trying it is what bothers me the most. They're the same people that didn't read Harry Potter and said that that was from the devil, right? Like if you right. don't, if you don't try these things and tell them they're evil, then that's where I have a, the biggest problem with it. I don't know why I went on that soapbox. I don't know even know where we were going. I <laughs> all good. No, we're just talking about the dangers of it, and yeah. I think the other danger of it that I've been able to witness with friends who have older kids is the lack of physical activity. So I think there is a balance. Yes. And that's again, with parents being involved, like if you're playing with your kid side by side or you're setting those boundaries, then you can also set the boundaries for when they need to get outside and go run around or go play sport or, or get physical. Cause I have watched from other families, their kids that play more games have a tendency to be more obese. It just, is what it is. And that's because there hasn't been a balance or they haven't set those boundaries in place. You know, I think about it like the diet. If I let my kids just pick everything in the world that they wanted to eat, all they would eat is pirate's booty and lollipops, <laughs> right? Like I mean, to their own devices, they're going to eat cookies, cakes, pop, you know, that's your choice. See, my kid doesn't like sweets, but they, that's, Oddly that's enough. why I'm going to guide them. Right. And that's I don't, me. I don't get judge by guiding them in their diet, right? right? Like I want to provide healthy meals and healthy food and good options and all that stuff. Cause I know it's going to make them a healthy human. Those same boundaries and those same guideposts I apply to whether that's screen time or gaming or whatever else or physical activity or everything else, they need us to guide them, but they but need we, us to guide them to where we, they enjoy it. That's the other thing is, right. I think, you know, we, we are also manipulating our children. And I think the mistake people make is get up and go outside. Well, that sounds like punishment. Yeah. You know, exactly. you need, it needs to be enjoyment. So the but thing like, is, how about let's go play catch or let's go shoot some hoops together. And the thing with the video games and you talk about the obese kids, I think that, you know, there are, there not every child is prone to physical activity. 
So that's the other thing where those parents need to, they have to do a little extra work in making physical activity enjoyable for that child. There are some children out there that their brains are working 200, 300% overtime and their bodies, they just don't, there's not a connection with physical activity, right? And I think those are the kids that when you are on the screen too much, you're playing video games all the time, it brings incredible enjoyment because their brains are uh, challenged by these games, you know, they're challenged. Like they are, they are inspired by what they're seeing and what they're doing. And there are people, there are kids who are prone to athletics and they're the ones that play every single sport and they're jocks throughout. And they, they're, they, they get a joy in a, in a rush out of being physically active. And I think that if you can't relate to the other, then it's hard for you to understand how to guide your child. Right. And I agree with Jen though, but it's your job to do it. So if you have a child that is not prone to physical activity, then you're going to have to figure out a way for them to connect physical activity with joy. Instead of making them feel bad about their bodies, you need to just somehow just make it about joy. Who cares if they lose weight? It's just about the joy of going out and doing something physical and figuring that out. And then if you have a kid that's too much of a jock, say, I think too much physical activity and not enough just chill time and downtime is bad. And I think there's a balance to both. And I think if you have a kid that's all physical and not mental, then you're going to have to figure out a way for them to be, for mental activity to also be joyful. You know your chi- your child, or you should know your child better than anybody. And so uh, to Jen's point, yes, you are the guide, but you can't just yell at them about something. You've got to find a way to to connect them with it in a positive, wonderful way. And I think too many times parents, and I understand about, I'm a working parent. It too many times you are frustrated. You are, you're pressed for time and you just fuss. And I was telling Jen off air, like I, I, there are times where I catch myself fussing too much at my son. And it's like, that is not doing any good. That is not doing any good with what the end result I want, you know, there to be. So I have to slow down And find the time and the patience to be able to guide him in a way that is going to work. Fussing is not going to work, right? And I'm not talking about discipline. I'm talking about just in general. So to me, both physical and screen time is important. I don't think that screens are the devil. I just don't. And you touched on this earlier. What do you want your child to know about screens? What sort of perspective do you want them to have? It's a tool and that's it. Nothing Mm -hmm. more. It's a tool. It's a tool for entertainment. It's a tool for making money. It's a tool for being educated. It's a tool for connecting with their friends or their family. But it's simply that it is a tool that is a very powerful tool. I mean, it's it's like a it's like a um what 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 did the Swiss blade knife where it had all the different things? Yeah, the yeah. Swiss Army knife. Yeah, Swiss Army knife. Thank you. Yeah. The Swiss Army knife had every single thing you could ever want in that. And so to me, screen a screen is a Swiss Army knife. It has the ability to do all kinds of things. But I, but it's his tool under his control, not the other way around. I love that. I want my kids to be able to be bored. So I want their perspective to be that life is not about you being entertained all the time. <laughs> and it's okay for you to be bored. That has come up a lot in the last year during the pandemic, you know, or during our screen free week, because we, I was noticing that, the, that both my girls were being too, addicted to television in certain times of their day. They're very routine oriented. Um, and that's because Grant and I are very routine oriented, but you know, they come from home from school and then they want to watch TV. And then it was like this constant fight with them on when we were going to turn it off or how many shows they were allowed to watch. And I was like, 
I'm I'm just done fighting with you about this. We're going to take a break. We're going to take a screen-free week. Nobody's Mm -hmm. in trouble. We're just going to see how it goes. And it went great. We played more games together as a family, which was fun. More card games, more board games. We did puzzles, which was fun. And And they also came to complain to me how bored they were. And I said, that's okay. You'll find something to do. Just go find something else. And sure enough, it would take them 15 minutes or so kind of whining and complaining about it. But then I'd find them, you know, with their LOL dolls coming up with something. I'd find them building a fort. I'd find them making a mess and painting. I'd find them doing other things. Mm -hmm. So I want my kids to know it's okay for you to be bored. Because in that boredom will come some great creativity and imagination and that life is not about you being entertained at all times. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's okay too. You know, as much as we're going to be on screens, it's going to be a part of our life. You know, the world doesn't exist for your entertainment. Well, you know, it is funny. I, it, it, there's a mantra that my mother always said that pops in my head uh, during this conversation, which is everything in moderation. Yes. And, yes. Millie was right. That's all she ever said. And then she said that applies to drugs. That applies to alcohol. That applies to games. That applies to screen time. That applies to running. That applies to working. Like it, she just had a philosophy, like everything will be okay. As long as you do it in moderation, as long as you don't, you don't, tip the scales too much, then it will all work out. So I think that to your point, you know, screen time moderation, boredom time moderation, you know, all these things, because, you know, there's some parents who are like, well, when they get older and they get bored, then something bad's going to happen. But again, I don't, I'm not the parent who is always pessimistic about the future of my child and my parenting. Like I just, I think that's the beauty of being an older parent. And I will Mm -hmm. argue with any parent who feels like they know my future because that's not true. What happened with your child, whether success or failure is not necessarily going to happen with my child because I will have successes and failures. My son is unique. Your daughters are unique to anybody else. And I think that, you know, I just do the best I can, but I don't have a pessimistic view of my son's future. I, you know, I think that we all turned out okay and we all face things and there's things we face as teenagers that we would never tell our children about and they are going to face things they will never tell us about. So the point is to give them the tools to be self-sufficient. I think of it as a river guide because I grew up on going to whitewater rivers and paddling and I think of it parenting this analogy as a river guide, you know, the big rubber boats that you get in, you know, so I think of myself, I was the terrified one in the boat. (laughs) (laughs) I think of myself as the river guide, right? Like I'm going to steer, I'm going to make sure that we're going on the correct side of the big waterfalls, but you know what? You might fall out of the boat. And that's okay too, because that's part of the whole river experience. And I'm going to make sure that you got your helmet on. I'm going to make sure that you got your PFD on and that it's on tight enough that if I need to yank you out of the river and throw you back in the boat, I can, but you know, I'm going to give you the tools to survive the river, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm. you're going to be out of the boat floating on your back with your feet in front of you, you know, (laughs) just don't go head first. Okay. Cause that's when you're going to hit a rock, right? (laughs) Go feet first on your back and float. I, I think of it in that way because we're just there to guide them. We're not there to do it for them. We're not there to hover over every single thing, but we're there to be in that shared experience with them 
going mm-hmm. down, you know, going down the river. I just well, listen, we want you guys to join the conversation. So join us, reach out to us on Facebook or Instagram. Melissa is doing a beautiful job with our Instagram. So go check it out and follow <laughs> us at the frenzy. It looks awesome. And we want you to join the conversation too. So if there's something that you want us to talk about, or maybe an angle of screen smart parenting that we haven't thought of yet, we can right. do another episode on this. Just reach out to us, hit us up directly. Melissa at the or Jen at the And we want to know your stories. You know, the frenzy exists to remind you of the importance of sharing your story. Don't stay silent. Use your voice. So reach out to us. If we said something that takes you off today, tell us yeah. about it. You know, if we said something you thought was wrong, we want to hear about that too, because we invite this conversation. We really want to change this conversation and celebrate you and your story as well. Now let's take a card out of the You Don't Know My Life box with a question for both of us. Jen, are you ready? Ready. Sometimes. <laughs> roommate or neighbor story. Go. Okay. The first roommate that popped into my head was my first year at Florida State. My freshman dorm roommate. Love her. She's so sweet, but was a talker. She loved to talk. <laughs> Just talking, talking, talking all the time. And (laughs) I was very busy, right? I did lots of activities. I, when I was in the dorm room, I needed to sit and study. And she did not have as wide of a social circle. So I was her social circle a lot of times. I think (laughs) she just talked a lot about a lot of things. And I got to the point where on my little word processor because we didn't have computers. I had a, a word processor to type my papers for school. I would put on headphones with my Walkman attached because we had the Discman Walkmans at that time. Do you remember you put a CD in the Discman and then you had your little headphones? Yep. I would put it on so that she thought I was listening to music, but I actually wasn't listening to anything. It was just a way to shut her up. I feel so bad about that to this day. I hope she does not listen to the Frenzy podcast because she will know what I'm talking about. But I would have to do something because it was incessant. Well, you're trying not to be rude, right? And it's awkward, especially when you're a freshman. You don't know how to, I mean, as an adult, you don't know how to handle those situations. Well, here's a little trivia. I don't know if you knew. The Discman was the inspiration for the iPhone because Steve Jobs the reason he made the iPhone was because he saw the disc man. He thought I could do that better. I can put the songs on your phone instead of you having to have a separate thing. That's so cool. Just like, you know, now we use the, <laughs> we use our phones for something completely different than just music. But yes, the disc man was the inspiration for the iPhone. For me, it was a neighbor story as an adult that first came to mind because I lived in a townhome community when you and I were doing morning radio together. And I had a neighbor who was, I called her Gladys Kravitz. So if anybody watched Bewitched, then you know who Gladys Kravitz is. If you're too young for Bewitched, Gladys Kravitz was the nosy neighbor next door who literally peeked through the curtains (laughs) and would look at everything that um, the other family was doing. And I called her Gladys because she literally would see me pull in and rush out the door to have to tell me something. Every time that I left, she would come out. There was one time that she even... As I was pulling it, I was pulling, I was in the car and the car was in motion and she ran up to my driver's side window and knocked to tell me something insignificant. 
But I guess I was the like, only did one that you know that they're her. changing garbage day to Tuesday instead of Wednesday? Exactly. Something like that. When I first oh, moved in, wow. she would tell me what my the former owners would do. Like, you know, oh, well, you know, the people who lived here before would da, da, da. And I had to tell her, well, they are no longer here and I'm living here now. So I'm going to do that. And it was insignificant. It had to do with sidewalks. It had to do with plants it had to do with like you said the trash it had to do, you were you her know, social life i was her social so same situation in which you know and then when i would date somebody and katie i started dating you know seriously when i lived there she understood that she she got caught once by her but she had to f- literally scurry in the house from the from the yeah. car and back that's, that's the neighbor where you pretend like you're on the phone where you're yes like, it wouldn't matter but it wouldn't matter yeah. she would still, she'd still she'd, talk anyway she'd still talk but yeah when she uh, when she i when i almost ran her over i knew that <laughs> she's got a serious problem so yes i don't i no longer live there and i will say that whew, that was what you were gonna I thought you were going to talk about how Jean Benet's dad lived next to you well he was that was on the other side so I lived yeah so I lived in this townhome community on one that side was Gladys Kravitz. Me. The other side, Katie and I were home from the grocery store. We came in. We were going to get groceries back and forth. And Katie's like, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And it was um, Jean Benet's dad was there. And it was, and I learned later that his, he had two grown children before he had his two young children with another woman. And the older daughter owned the townhouse next to me. And so when she moved out, she let him move in. And when Patsy Ramsey Wright, mm-hmm. the mother, when she passed of cancer, he was living there. And all the children, like the the young kids and the older kids were there for that, you know. But yes, I would I would wave and smile at Mr. Ramsey. It was quite unsettling for me because <laughs> I... Yeah, I had theories about that family. So yeah, so that town, I don't live there anymore, but yes, it was, it was quite dramatic. That town home <laughs> could have been, could have been the setting for your sitcom that you write someday, that's, right? That's right. Right. I should. All right. Oh Melissa God, Carter has got this week's mirror mantra for you. So we were talking about screens earlier and talking about in particular, your story about your friend's kids who were, I mean, justifiably upset by the rating system that their guy friends had, had done for them. My mantra kind of goes with what I mentioned earlier, which is you are the source of your life. You are the source of your life. You can go to church and pray to God. You can, you know, go out and be grateful to your friends. You can be grateful to your children for what they bring to your life. There's so many things that are fruitful in your life, but you got to remember that you are actually the source of your experience of your life. And I think too many times we forget that when something is not going the way we want it to, it's usually because somebody else is in control. We've given somebody else control. When we are upset about what is going on with a situation, we're pointing the finger at somebody else. And that is because you've given too much of your emotional self and too much of the decision-making to somebody else. You have tipped the balance of that. And so that's why I always want you to understand when those situations happen, say, I am the source of my experience. I'm the source of my life. I'm the one who is in charge of the energy I bring. I'm in charge of the emotion I bring. I'm in charge of the activity I bring. And if you're not happy with what's going on, and we've said this in the pandemic, then you chose this life. You chose what's going on. You chose how your children are in your home with their screens. If it's not going the way you want to, then you take charge and then you're the one that has to set 
more boundaries for yourself and for your children. But yeah, I, as too many times, I think that we, as women, we've talked about this, that we outsource our lives. We feel sacrificial. We feel that's the way to be. We feel, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be bold. I don't want to be considered a bitch. I don't want to do this. I show my perfect life on social media. I don't show my vulnerabilities on social media because I just, I need to sacrifice myself. So everybody else is satisfied and happy. And then we turn around and think, well, our life is unhappy because of our husband, because of our children, because of social media, because of all these things. No, it's not. It's because of you. It is, you're the source, your thoughts, your emotions, your energy come from you. They don't come from somewhere else. You're not reacting to the world. You are the world and you need to start taking responsibility for that. Amen, sister. <laughs> Our new YouTube channel is live with videos and extended interviews. We want you to go to YouTube, search the frenzy on YouTube and see all that we have to offer there. I think a lot of people don't realize that uh, the videos of the episodes are usually twice as long as what makes it onto the podcast. So if you are a big fan of the show, we'd love for you to check out the YouTube videos as well. Please sign up for our weekly frenzy email so we can send the episode right to your inbox. We promise not to flood you with lots of messages. We only send one email newsletter with the new show each week, and we add some really cool links inside of it. So please sign up to get that email at thefrenzy.com. And thank you to our listeners who have subscribed to our email list at thefrenzy.com. A shout out to Lena Bernstein, to Rochelle Carmel, and to Francis Curry. We thank you so much. Soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Placement Music creative team member Mark Daniels. The Frenzy is produced by Bo Johnson and hosted by me, Melissa Carter, and her, Jen Hobby. These are real stories connecting real women. Now it is time to go share your story. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. We appreciate the time that you spend with us. All right. Until next week, trust your gut, share your story, and stop, stop lying, lying about your age. We'll see you next week.